Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham, and I'm here. This is episode four, and I'm here with an analog photographer, Mr. John Andre. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Glenn. Where are you from originally? Um, I'm actually from right down the block, actually, from where we are. I'm um, originally from um, Harlem, uh, 157 in Amsterdam. Um, you know, that's pretty much where I grew up. Okay, and, and what, is your, what is your background? Where's your family from? Like, uh... Uh, both of my parents are Haitian, so I'm of Haitian descent. Uh, I spent uh, about five years living in Haiti when I was young, from about when I was 10 to 15. So, you know, I did that and pretty much been in the States ever since. What, what age were you when you came to the States? I was born in here um, when I was about, I want to say, 10, a little going on 11 maybe. Uh, I was getting into a little bit of trouble. I was, you know, running around a little bit. And so my mom, she sent me off to live with my dad in Haiti. And it was there I spent uh, five years living with my dad. A uh, bit of a change of scenery. Wow, wow. And so did you, did you, because how I know you is, as being a street photographer, now you shot uh, a lot of different people. You've shot, I've seen some of your images. I've seen Spike Lee. I've saw a lot of different uh, notable people that you shot. And as a street photographer, you kind of, you kind of reshaped my mind of what a street photographer or an artist is. Because in my view, I used to think, well, you know, they're just, you know, they just take a couple shots and get a little, with, money here and there, but you have a whole different vibe that you bring. Uh, can you speak to that? Uh, I would say, you know, I never even seen myself, you know, I don't, I don't, I mean, the term street photographer itself is a little kind of weird for me because I never really considered myself a street photographer necessarily. Um, I've always just considered myself a photographer. Um, shooting in the street has been, you know, something different for me career wise or just, um, throughout my journey, but, um, you know, I, I try to take the same approach, um, when working in any type of realm of photography, um, working on the street, obviously it's a lot of impromptu, you know, fast paced, you know, very organic type of photography, but, you know, I enjoy it. When did you, when did you, when did you realize that, uh, when did you fall in love with photography? Cause you shoot quite a bit. So when did you like realize that this is something that, that you really uh, cared about? Uh, uh, while I went to school, uh, my, my first school that I went to in college was, uh, I went to Delhi. Uh, it was a SUNY school upstate. Um, at that time, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. I was kind of bouncing around. I think I took a semester or two off and I was back home. And it was during that time my mom was going to give me a hard time to go back to school. So I took a, uh, took some classes at a community college, um, Hostos Community College. And, um, you know, I, I 
enrolled in the semester there. I, I was there for maybe a couple semesters. And it was there that I picked up photography as an elective. Um, at the time, it was, uh, like I said, I wasn't too sure on, you know, how I wanted to move, with, you know, with my future. Um, still, the class was a two-part class. The first part shooting, second part developing. The first part was basically taking like a 35 millimeter camera out in the street, taking some images, um, you know, very basic type of stuff. Uh, it was the second part that really, you know, got me hooked on photography, which is uh, development. Um, it was developing those same photos that I was able to take in the street in the dark room. And that process to see the photo actually come to life on paper is what really got me hooked on photography. Um, I left school. I started shooting as a hobby. I would shoot every day. I mean, still, still to this day, um, since that day, I probably never put the camera down. You'll never see me without some kind of camera shooting. Um, you know, that passion and that bug, I still have it to this day. You know, thank God. Um, so I started shooting as a hobby. Um, one of my cousins at the time was doing a lot of professional photography at the time. I mean, a videography. Um, and it was through him that I got to some uh, introduction to the field. Um, I was doing a lot of production assisting with him, um, PA work, um, second camera, just random types of work with him. And it was through him I got to see that some of the internals of the industry and how the, you know it worked. Um, eventually, um, I got to meet some photographers. They kind of took to me. I was the young guy shooting film at the time still. Digital photography was just coming on strong at the time. And they told me in order for me to become a working photographer, I need to get my uh, digital camera. So uh, um, I started saving up doing these small odd gigs. I bought my first DSLR. It was a Canon 40D at the time. It was, you know, I spent some money on it at B&H. And um, I started doing friends, families, uh, any, anybody I could get my hands on. You know what I mean? Um, the one thing that those guys taught me was how to use the camera as an investment versus an expensive toy. So they told me uh, anyone I shot to charge them. You know, it was friends, family, everyone, just to kind of pay for the camera and understand what to use the camera as an investment. Um, so eventually I was actually able to pay for the camera through using it, you know. Uh, I want to say um, in my early 20s, I want to say 22, 23. Um, yeah, around that time. So for me, it was um, it was great to be able to work in um, a field like you know, I was doing a lot. I was I was connected with a lot of news photography, uh, photographers, industry photographers, um, concert guys. So it was a lot of fast paced work. You know, that was, that's cool. So there's something that you mentioned that, that I actually recently came across. So you said that uh, they told you charge everyone. So I I was uh, what I get from a lot of photographers that I meet um, is they feel like or just artists, they feel like artists are not supposed to be paid. Like they feel like one artist told me, he said, you know, Glenn, I don't try to make money from, <laughs> from my art. And I was like, man, like, I don't know what it feels like not to try to make money from my art. Cause I figured I spent a lot of money as a photographer. I spent a lot of money and doing my video stuff. I can't imagine doing this uh, for free. What do you say to somebody who, who says that you are, because you're an artist, you shouldn't you shouldn't be making money doing this. Um, you know, I gotta say this is definitely a two sided coin to that because um, part of the I would say thing that saves me in that realm is the fact that I am able to shoot um, certain types of photography for my passion. You get what I mean? Um, 
looking back at it, if I was if I just continued my route of shooting digital for a living, I don't know how in love I would have been with photography still um, to this day, to be honest with you. And it's not that to say that digital medium, but just that route of just shooting for work um, in that fast paced industry realm doesn't really allow you the artistry part, if that makes sense. Um, at that time, I felt like a gun for hire. You get what I mean? It was like, I need a photographer. And I was there. You know what I mean? It was very, it was very disconnected from the photography that I seen in a dark room. So what, what I was able to do, you know, looking back at it was always shoot my 35 millimeter every day for myself. Still to this day, that's what keeps me going in this realm because I'm able to still you know make a living shoot events and all, everything else but it, you know outside of that people what people don't know is i shoot my own personal photos for you know as a release you get what i mean and that keeps me in both on both sides of the coin if that makes sense you know i i get to produce my passion art you know art free money free you know kind of thing and also um you know make a living on the other side i mean that's a rare thing to be honest with you to be able to do both um, if that makes sense, you know, no, it does make sense. And what is your, what are your thoughts? Because uh, I meant, I touched on earlier that, you know, you shot uh, a lot of notable people, Spike Lee. Um, what, what's some, what are some of the people that you've shot? Just like walk, um, street photography, just walking down Prince street. So, all right, before we get into that, I want to just preference this by saying, um, what I was just telling you earlier about me working as a digital photographer, um, that was, I would say, about a good strong three years of my career, I want to say. Um, you know, about that. And time how long have you been shooting years. for up to right now? Uh, going on 17 years. 17 years, yeah. wow. You know what I mean? Um, okay. So it was, at that time, it was, um, you know, I was, I want to say it, it, it was, um, I, I used to do a lot of celebrity work, actually. I used to shoot concerts. I used to shoot, like, I mean, some of your favorite celebrities, I, you know, 10 years ago, I probably shot them, you know, doing some concerts, red carpets, events, and stuff like that. Um, the celebrity world, because I had that access to it, it kind of put me in a very weird um, space as far as capturing it. Um, I got to realize very quickly that that's not necessarily the type of work I wanted to do. Um because it's you know it's very much based on a very loose imagery kind of thing you know what I mean it's very like I just need an image for now you know I really don't care who's buying a camera you know what I mean type of thing is and so wait, wait um, when, when you said it's very loose you mean like they they didn't really respect you as an artist shooting them you mean or I mean like I said it's just not much it's not about respect it's just not much artistry in it I, I'll put it. it like this I'll just give you a scenario so you're how you're hired to shoot like I you know I got summer jam concerts stuff like that so yeah you shoot a summer jam um you you there for mtv to shoot shoot that event um they send you in you get your press pass they send you you know you may have access to um the green room you know maybe get some shots back there they and then outside of that you may have a, a concert pass stage as well so now you're able to shoot maybe on stage or maybe not so you might have a pit pass or or a, con or a stage pass depending on, you know, what, what the situation is. So now you're in, you're on stage with, you know, 15, 20 other photographers. You're all, you know, getting those shots in. Um, those shots go out to all the publications. 
um, depending on your, you know, at that time I was a newbie in the game. So trust me, I wasn't getting any credit. <laughs> right, right. Images were already bought. Um, so, you know, it, it, it was very, just like I said, it was a very loose thing um, outside of the excitement part and being able to actually make some money shooting a camera, maybe shooting some celebrities. It wasn't, you know what I mean? I, I just didn't feel the, the, the photography art part in it you know what i mean and i mean they may sound like a little bit of a cover because the thing is i want people to, especially the younger photographers to understand this like i said it's a rare thing to be able to produce your art and make a living so you have to know that part first before you even get think about getting into this field you know what i mean it's very rare that you're going to shoot something that you like and get paid you know for a living so um shooting the celebrities um now it's very different because it's a real interaction. I actually get to meet them, talk to them. They come up to me. You know what I mean? I'm in one spot. It's, you know, now it's 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 the kind of the way I've seen myself when I was shooting, you know, back then in the dark room and just that whole process of dreaming to be a photographer. This is kind of the way I've seen it. Um, very, very analog, very, you know, we know each other. We have a rapport. We're building. We're creating something together, an image. Versus just a, a very fast pace on a go, don't you know, a very quick interaction. Um, so now when I'm shooting celebrities and they come up to me and I have the one shot, I would, to be honest with you, if I if I know maybe 10% of the celebrities now, that's a lot. You get what I mean? So now it's, um, I'm just shooting the human beings that come up to me now. You know what I mean? The whether they're celebrities or not celebrities. I just don't look at it like that. And it shows in your work. Mm -hmm. Cause what I what I notice, um, what I guess what I was getting at with uh, shooting celebrities is you have you have access to a celebrity, and that means they have there's some kind of trust involved mm -hmm. because they these people are used to people walking up to them and asking them to take their picture. They're walking up to you and asking you, can um, can you take their picture? So I'm gonna give you um one just recently happened. Um, uh, just recently I was out working on the block and. Um, Patty Smith, uh, she came by. She was looking at some of the Polaroids down the wall, and uh, I didn't really know if it was her 100%. I was excuse my ignorance, who's Patty Smith? Um, Patty Smith is a well known American singer, um, okay. a musician. Um, right. she's you know pretty well known in the rock world and just you know, um, songstress. Um, so she comes up to me, she's looking at the photos. Um, and I, like I said, I, I kind of thought it was her. I wasn't sure, you know, she, you know, older, you know, I'm not 100% in that round. Um, but anyway, um, she comes up to me, we get to talking. Long story short, we get a photograph, I take it, whatever. And the thing is, what's happening a lot of times with those interactions and why they're able to happen is because, like you just said, I'm not, in, I'm not bothering. I don't solicit what I do. Um, so I'm just out there, basically. I, I call myself, there's two ways I kind of describe this. Either one, like I'm fishing um, you know, you throw out the hook and you just wait for the bait. And then secondly, it's just like I'm Johnny on the spot kind of thing. You know what I mean? I'm just there in hopes to capture somebody's moment, you know? So it's like I'm just the guy that's there when you may need a photograph or it may need a moment captured. I just try to make myself available. Um, you know, they always say, uh, you know, uh, success is just opportunity and timing. You know what I mean? It's like you mess those two together. You're there. You, you know, you're ready for the opportunity, preparation, and, you know, and and the rest, you leave it alone. You know, l let the rest happen. What what would you say, um, do doing photography in the way you're doing it now, uh, what what doors 
Has, has it opened any doors for you? And if so, what 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 type of doors? All right. So um, I also want to kind of get into just to explain to people what what am I actually doing? Um, right. Right. So I'm an analog Polaroid photographer. Um, how I got into the whole Polaroid thing was um, I was, I want to say, uh, um, about, well, a little over 10 years ago now, I think, probably under, a little under that, eight, uh, maybe nine or 10 years ago. Um, I'm walking by and this couple were basically selling a bunch of old cameras in the street. And um, I see this cool looking old camera, you know, I'm like, you know, at the time, you know, I'm still, you know, I'm still an analog photographer. So I'm like, that looks like a cool camera I want to buy. The couple tells me how much it is. They tell me it's $75. It's, you know, I was in the street. And um, so I was like, I have 50 bucks. Uh, you know, I want to buy the camera. They like, hey, I take the camera, 50 bucks. I'm so excited about the camera. I see it. It looks old school. I've never seen a camera like this in my life. I take the camera to B&H. Um, on my way to B&H, I run into uh, this famed photographer named Luis Mendez. At the time, I had no idea who he was. I just, I've seen him before. I just, we never interacted. Um, so I see him standing there with this old camera. I'm looking at my camera, looking at his camera. They look similar. So we get to talking. He tells me he's a Polaroid photographer and how he's been taking Polaroids in the street for over 50 years. And at the time, I'm just, just um, so I just got to tell you where I was at in my career. Um, this was during the recession. And um, I was already, I would, this is after my, my digital career in a way, like in between that. Um, so I was already shooting like celebrity work, my fast pace, weddings, con all, all types of other stuff. Um, but I was on the tail end of that because of the recession. So at the time when I met Lewis, I'm thinking, this guy's a street photographer. Like, to be honest, I was just looking at this guy like he's a, he's in the street, like he's a street guy. Um, he tells me he's been shooting in the street, whatever, for 50 years. He sells the Polaroids in, in the street anywhere from 20 to $100 for one shot. I'm, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, right. That's what I'm thinking. Of, you know, I'm like, this guy's crazy. Uh, I'm thinking he's just stuck in his old time, whatever. Um, we get to talking. He tells me... Um, Couple things that kind of really stuck with me that day. Um, one was he told me where to get the film to buy the um, to use the camera, and secondly, um, he told me um, because of the Polaroid camera I have, I should come out in the street and do this as well. And like I said at the time, I'm thinking, dude, I don't even think you're being you're able to do this. I'm definitely not going to be able to do this. Um, but before I left, he took a black and white portrait of me. Um, I was really in shock to see the quality that came out of that camera. I was like blown away. Um, so I was like, you know, outside of everything else that he told me, I was really impressed by the imagery. I was like, this is a beautiful image. Like, I don't know what else you're telling me, but yeah, you obviously know what you're doing. So I go home, I do some research on him, come to find out he's a legendary street photographer. You know, you can find him on Google, everything. I'm like, oh, that's why he's able to do this whole thing. I mean, obviously he wasn't lying. You know, he's a legendary photographer. That's why he's able to shoot in the street, whatever. Long story short, um, I wanted to use the camera. I just wanted to produce images as a photographer on, with the camera. So I started buying the film using the camera. I didn't know what I was doing. Obviously, I would mess up a lot. I would go back to him to find that information. And he would really harp on me about shooting in the street. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to shoot in the street. That's not my thing. I'm, you know, But yeah, I wanted to use the camera. So I would go back and try to find out information. And he would just, you know, always be on. He's me. persistent. I, yes. I know, Louis. Oh man, <laughs> when he got something to, dude, it he, was crazy. This, yeah, he he will get on you about and that. And so, me and him really, we went back for. I mean, almost a year. We went back and forth. Like I would go visit him. He would get at me. Da da da. Back and forth. Long story short, I'm almost kicked out of my apartment. Like this is real. Rent is due. The gigs aren't coming in. Stuff is drying up. 
at the time I'm already out on my own, living on my own. Um, so, you know, rent is doing everything. Um, so I'm saying to myself, okay, I met this guy. He's telling me about this whole thing. If I'm going to fail in photography, let it be in photography. I'm going to give this thing a try. Let me, let me just try it. I'm going to sell my photos for $5 in the street. I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Let me try this thing. I went on Houston and Bro. It was um, the first spot I went and set up. Um, so basically, um, I just stood there with the camera. It was a Polaroid land camera, 450 land camera. I stood out there. The first day I went out, I made 60 bucks. I sold 12 shots the first day I went out. I couldn't, I honestly, still to this day, I can't believe that people came up to me and bought these shots. So like, I just couldn't believe that this thing worked. That was my thing. It's, it wasn't about photography. This and I just couldn't believe this was a thing. And, you know, at the time, digital photography was around. Phones were kind of just, you know, it, it was a lot of, I just didn't think this was the thing. Um, so I said to myself, I made 60 bucks. Um, Anytime I'm free, I don't have any gigs or work, I'm going to come out and do this, um, you know, and try to make a little change. I, I figured math-wise, math I was like, okay, if I do this five days a week, $60 a day, that's 300 bucks a week. At the time, I was also working at NYU doing patient transport two days a week. So I had a side job. So between $300 and my side job, I could pay my rent. That's, that's the most I'm thinking about this thing, not thinking anything else. Um, it's been almost nine years now. It's been my full time. <laughs> I mean, I just, it's funny hearing that because I never even thought this would be anywhere along. So, so how'd you go from, all right, so you went from doing the, the 60 bucks a day, right? Mm -hmm. uh, at the $5 a photo. Mm -hmm. Then what was the next progression after you, you started getting better? What, what, what did you start so, charging then? After good question. That? So, um, um, for me, it wasn't so, so much about the money. It was really about getting better with the camera, if that makes sense. Um, the camera, it's a, especially the Polaroid 450 land camera, it's not, it's not necessarily mechanical because there's no aperture and shutter speed on it, but it's the most difficult camera to use because it's so much based on light. So I had a lot of trials and tribulations of just being able to use the camera. So that really kind of determined... Um, my worth on you know if that makes sense on what i was producing if i didn't if i felt like it was a five dollar photo that's what i sold i sold it for and if i felt, felt like it was a ten dollar photo i was like oh it's ten dollars but for me it was more based on the work and how i confident i felt about producing the work um the more you do it uh, the more confident you get on uh, you know about doing it and it's just that that you know i'm, I'm realizing even now it's like, you know, I know what I'm standing on now. You see what I mean? I stand on my work. I'm, I know what I'm producing. So now, you know, I, I charge accordingly. You see what I mean? Um, and it's, it's, it was really that, that, that progression um, that led me into the price now. But also, uh, about three and a half, four years ago, they discontinued this film. So this film got uh, discontinued about four years ago. And now also determined the price too. You know what I mean? Um, okay. So what do you think? <clears throat> so also... Uh, so you go from from working, getting a five dollar shot <laughs> to like, you know, then charging what you think the photo's worth. How do you go from that to like I see you worked with Nike? You were fly uh one day you 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 contacted me and you told me you were going uh, were you going to Italy, was it Italy? Yeah. To shoot something? Like you gotta been, fill those in. All right. So um nine years. It's been like I said, a journey. Um most of the work is is outside of you know what I'm doing personally when I'm shooting. It's based on a very organic interaction. Um, 
I'm doing it. I'm shooting from a very pure place. Um, I don't know if people, you know, people don't know that from me, but I know, I mean, and I don't want to say this, you know, to say sound it, like that, no, but no. I mean, it's just, I don't shoot for money, if that makes sense. I shoot from, you know, what comes from within and I want to get paid accordingly. So I don't shoot an image for $20 or whatever it is that I'm charging. You see what I mean? So when I'm shooting an image, I'm shooting to create a good image. Now, if you want to purchase that image, that's a whole nother side of the equation. Now, saying that is to say that that interact, that purity that I'm shooting from, um, you know, I think people recognize that because they also have to open up their little bit of trust to even allow me to photograph them. So I think when that combination happens well, there's a special thing to happen. And because I don't necessarily know who I'm meeting at the time I'm meeting them, um, I get to meet, you know, the right type of people, if that makes sense. And, and it's through that that I get other work, I get gigs. And, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm shooting a CEO. I have no idea who I'm shooting. You know, it's just a regular guy in front of me. I, I don't know he could, he's going to hire me tomorrow. You see what I mean? Right. But so let me, so let me ask you a more pointed question. Mm -hmm. How did you end up going to Italy? Um, Tell me the story. All right. So the story is um, I got hired by Tiffany and Co. Um, and how that even happened was, and this is this kind of an interesting story. Um, I got kind of, I got an email and then most of my gigs are like this. I just get a random email. So I get it, this email. Um, hey, this is Tiffany and Co. We were working on this thing. Um, we're shooting some influencers for Fashion Week um, in Paris and Italy. We want to we want to potentially um, price you out to you know find out whatever, whatever. I send in my quote. Um, at the time, I'm kind of blown away that they even like what you know. Anyway, <laughs> so um, I send them my quote. They're like, yeah, sure, we want to have a meeting with you, and you know get to know you a little bit. So I go to their offices. We have a meeting. We get to talking, and I'm in my head. I'm like, I'm like, okay, you know, we're talking, but I, I had to know how this happened. I needed to know. So, um, I, you know, they asked me about what I do, whatever. Uh, before I left, I was like, I just need to know how did you guys find me? Like, you know, what? how'd you guys find me? Um, come to find out at that board meeting, there was a young lady that I photographed that worked. <laughs> yeah, obviously she worked there. And um, they had a, what they wanted to do with this campaign was they wanted to take Polaroids um, for their page and just um, of the whole trip um, of that fashion week. Um, but at the time, they were kind of thinking about going with a photographer that they already shoot with. But he he was able to take Polaroids, but he that's not what he did. So the young lady proposed, hey, I know an actual guy that that's what he does for a living. He's a Polaroid photographer. How about we contact him? And boom, there it is. And so what people don't understand is that, yeah, a, it was a great opportunity. But guess what? High risk, high reward. These people don't know me. This is off of one shot that I served this young lady. They don't, they never worked with me before. We don't know each other. So it's like that amount of trust that someone puts in your lap, it's not something to take lightly. You see what I mean? So when I'm working with that kind of pressure in a way, it's like I'm, I'm working at a higher level. You see what I mean? I'm like, I'm not just taking this like, oh, this is just another gig that I'm going to get tomorrow. Like, dude, this is my make or break type of gigs. Yeah, and and this and uh, it is a make or break. And like you said earlier, um, before we started that, you know, it could be one, you know, 
you ruin a job and then that could be it. And then you have this another thing. The, another aspect is the person, the young lady who who said, "Hey, take a chance." Exactly. She put herself exactly. on the line for someone exactly. she doesn't doesn't know. know. And that's what I mean. And, you, and, and I'm from one shot. This one shot. <laughs> That's pretty I mean, funny. And it's crazy because, I mean, if I start going down a list of opportunities that I had, all of it is based on one shot. That's the thing. I had an opportunity. I have some, um, I had. I worked with Nike, like you just mentioned. Um, that came through two young ladies I've been shooting for years. I was shooting these young ladies and never knew they worked for Nike. And it, one day it was like, hey, we work for Nike. We're gonna, we want you. We want to work with you. We want to use you as one of our artists because we're going to open this store in Soho and we want to use you as one of the artists as the face of Soho to, you know, you know what I mean? As a campaign. And also we want to hire you to shoot the opening of the store. I say to myself, this is, you know, but the point is that that pure interaction, like I said, that pure, they, this is something that people can't fake. You know what I mean? It's like either you got it or you don't. And that's, that's always been when I think about the, my whole career. Um, I've never really promoted myself. I've never really been that guy like, online telling people what I do I've never had I, I, I don't have cards you get what I mean because to me it's like you do good work you interact with someone it should be based on that energy and the work you get what I mean it, I think it's a, as simple as that I don't think it's I mean everything else comes after but you talking about because I could have all the credentials in the world but if the energy or in the situation isn't right doesn't matter you see what I mean but when the energy isn't right when the energy is right and the work is there that's something you can't replicate no and, and I agree with that but one of the things that I I see as a as a person being out there is there are people out there and they're good at promotion mm-hmm. like I think I told you the mm-hmm. story of uh, this guy that that I, that I used to, you know, he was a photographer and he was on doing a lot of exhibitions and mm-hmm. I wanted to learn how to do that. And, and I said, and so I said to him one day, I said, hey, one day I would love to be, you know, exhibit my work. And he was like, yeah, everyone wants to exhibit. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't give me any kind of like any string, right? Mm-hmm. So my strong point, um, I was a web designer, mm-hmm. so I'm good at social media and, mm-hmm. and marketing myself. And I'm a social guy in person. So one day he saw my ad on his page and, and that's the, like you mentioned, the changing of the guards mm-hmm. where the digital era was coming into play. And and it's not only enough to be really good, but articulating what we're good at and making sure people know what we're doing. And he found out, he said, well, how did you get on my page? And I said, well, you know, everybody wants to know, but, mm-hmm. you know, only a few of us do. Mm-hmm. And and it felt good because it felt like I, I didn't have to go through the gatekeepers. Uh, I started photography late, so I felt like you know, I didn't have the 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 access to certain kind of individuals, and now I feel with the internet, it's it's because it's, it's a consumer, uh, straight to consumer market. Anything you want to do, like I love how you use your social media. You have like 19k followers. I love mm-hmm. it. And what I like about that is not the the sheer number that you have, but the fact that you use this to keep connected with the people that you shoot. I read I read all the little captions underneath your stuff. It's not too wordy. Uh, and mm-hmm. I and I get I get an understanding of you don't just put the image up there. You take me there and you say some little witty thing and I'm like, wow, he, he put some thought into that. And so yeah, I, I, I like that. It's pretty cool. Um I've been you know, like you said, the change in the guard is something I'm I'm, you know, still trying to figure out. Um mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of that myself. Um just trying to figure out how to navigate within that. You know what I mean? It's like um you know, you, like you said, you do have to promote yourself now. It's not it's not the way, you know, I am suffering in a way um, because I'm not that good at that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't even want to say suffering, um, 
because I, I you know what's not for me is not for me you know what I mean so I don't want to say suffering um but I mean you know I do realize that there is a market there that I'm not tapping into necessarily um and I'm still trying to figure that part out um you know like I said I, I it's everything has been organic you know through up until this point um and I'm still trying to figure out how to somewhat maintain that while still, you know, keeping myself fluent as far as work and, you know, advertising and promotion and stuff like that. But you have something that you were working on. It's an, uh, an exhibition. Mm-hmm. It's called the One Shot Exhibition, I believe. Uh, what is that exactly? And, um, and and where can where can one see this? Um, so um, with the with the discontinuation of the film. Which film is this? Um, FP100C. Uh, it's a peel apart film that I shoot. Um, now I'm, I've been thinking about how to transition into a new format or just a new career change in a way, um, in the realm of photography. Um, so I've been recently, um, showcasing some of my work, uh, throughout, like I said, the last 16 or 17 years I've been, uh, shooting and I have a lot of work unseen. So that's more along the lines what I'm thinking about basically getting out there. Um, and recently I had a, a exhibit where I exhibited some of my black and white Polaroids um, that I've taken over the years. And um, in a very interesting way, um, a little bit different than what people normally see from me in the street. Um, you know, what people really don't understand about... I'm sorry to stop you, but where where was this exhibit at? Uh, this was in Brooklyn, at the Brooklyn Bank. Okay, Brooklyn. Is it yeah. still there or is it down? No, it's down right now. Down. Yeah, okay. it was only up for two days. Okay. Yeah, it was just, um, yeah, it was supposed to be up a little longer, but um, you know, it will be up again somewhere else. Um, I'm finding a new home right now. I'm in the process of that. Um, yeah, what I was saying was, um, you know, being out in the street, I present the work in the, you know, the way it is because it's happening in the now. Um, but there's a lot of work that I've held for myself, you know, you know, kind of just on my own passionate, you know, projects that I've, um, I have never released that I want to kind of, um, get some eyes on. So that, that's where the whole one, um, one shot only project came in, um, into play. You know, that was the first time me exhibiting some of my, uh, Polaroid work. And, and when you shoot the, um, how do you get these Polaroids? Cause when you shoot people, do they, do they, um, do they leave the photos with you that are, or if you, do you so, shoot two or what are um, you doing? One, when I'm taking um, portraits of people, um, you know, for work, I take one shot and I sell it to them. Um, in the middle of that, I may see throughout the day, I may see a friend or someone interesting or maybe a celeb or something like that. And I might take one for myself. Um, that's happened over the last nine years. So obviously it's accumulated. Um, and throughout that, I also have been taking, uh, you know, I'll go out and shoot some street style photography um with some old expired black and white film so i'll go shoot you know some of my own personal work with the black and white polaroid film and say so it's that kind of work that i'm exhibiting um it's not necessarily my everyday um you know type of polaroid portraits that i take and and when you say that you've had quite a few what what is the number about of 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 shots you you think you have (laughs) it sounds like a lot um Polaroids, I would say maybe a couple hundred, um, maybe a thousand Polaroids. I would say actual physical Polaroids that I kept myself. Um, outside of that, I have maybe, who knows, maybe 50 to 60,000 images in 35 millimeter. 
And then I have, four, I, I have, you know, pretty much I have all formats. I, I shoot 120 film as well. I have a bunch of um, 120 film backed up. So, I mean, like I said, I, one thing, um, you know, I think some photographers could kind of understand is I'm one of those shooters that's addicted to shooting. Like I shoot every day, all day, I, you know. So I have a lot of work, you know, out, you know, that I've shot um, that never been presented. Um I'm, I, you know, I don't know if you guys got to see. I mean, uh, if you got to see this documentary on, um, on um, Vivian Meyer, uh, is that the woman that? Uh, yeah, she was like the nanny, yeah, the and, nanny. Shot, yeah, yeah. and nobody knew, and nobody knew. Right? Yeah. So, um, a lot of people. Well, 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 well tell the tell the story because yeah. I, I don't want to. Okay. So a lot of people. Um, well, there was a nan. There was a, a woman called Vivian Meyer. Um, she was a a, a, a photographer. Um, and she was she was actually a nanny. Um, that basically shot in her free time. Um, and she basically really never developed a lot of her images, um, but she shot a lot of images, you know, throughout her life. And, um, you know, she died and basically um, this young man discovered uh, her negatives. And, um, you know, he realized how prolific of a photographer she was. And a lot of people that have seen this documentary have always said, I can't believe that, you know, she, she didn't develop all these photos, like, that she died with all these stuff sitting da da da. And, you know, I watched the documentary with a whole nother perspective. Um, watching this documentary obviously really shook me up. That's one aspect of it because I could completely understand her process. Um, I think photography now is becoming um, a very, a very, um, I want to say, expedient process. Um, it used to be you shoot, you develop, you process, and you print. Um, you know, that was one of the steps in photography. So now it's basically you shoot and it's their image on, you know, you, it, there's really no process, no print really. So um, people kind of skipped over the process. So they can't really understand those other processes and how people could really just in love, be in love with that process. Um, saying that is to say that to me, when I watch a documentary, I seen someone that just really enjoying the process of actually taking an image. Um, I think I'm one of those people. You get what I mean? I just enjoy the process of actually taking the image. At the time of taking the image, that's enough for me. If that makes sense, you give it a being. Seeing the results of that image is secondary, and it's also another part. <laughs> you know, but you know, but you you saying that brings me to something that happened to us. Uh, you may not remember this, but I remember we were in the Lower East Side. Mm -hmm. I don't know where we maybe we were going to get something to eat, mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't know that you were a street photographer. I thought you just did portraits in the street. I didn't understand. And we were walking and we, we passed this couple. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, you got to them first. And you and you had your camera in your hand. You didn't have it in your hand. You just took it up. You mm -hmm. took a shot. Uh, and you didn't use like a telephoto lens. Mm -hmm. You were right up on this couple. And it happened so fast. You got the shot that you were already walking down the block. And I was coming up right behind you. And the guy was like, yo, did that guy just take our picture? <laughs> so in my mind, I'm like, yo, I wish I had the, the courage to do that. What what makes you like, how do you see the shot? And what makes you feel bold enough to just go do that? And you wanted it that bad. It's like, that's, wow. That's probably one of the main questions I get um, a lot of times when I'm shooting in the street. You know, like, how do you just go up to somebody? Um, so when I first got into photography, one of my first lessons was actually going down the street and taking photos of lines. That was my first um, assignment. Uh, of, of what? Lines, lines, lines in the city. Okay. So the professor said, any lines you see, go and photograph them, that's your assignment. 
So I went through around the city. I was photographing lines, you know, everywhere I went. And, and when you say lines, uh, you kind of break it down because not everybody's um, just li- and that's 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 um, lines within the city. So lines on a building, lines on a street, okay. lines from a Got building, it. wherever. You know what I mean? Even people can make up a line. Exactly. Okay. I'll make sure we understand. Exactly. I'm, I'm getting to a <laughs> okay, point. Got but it, I got wanted, it. I, that's why I wanted to start. Okay. Um, okay. So he gave us this assignment, shoot lines. I went throughout the city. I shot some lines. Um, you know, seeing the images were great. I, I really, you know, kind of was like, oh, okay. Um, looking back at that and looking back at my work now, um, it has a lot. I mean, most of my work, if you kind of pay attention, is very, uh, has a lot of lines in it. Um, and so that assignment of going out in the street and just going to get images, it's it's kind of like what I've been sent out to do since the beginning of my career. And so when I go out in the street, it's, I have that same type of mentality of just going out to get images. Um, when I'm going out, I, I'm, I'm shooting from such, like I said, the whole purity thing. I'm shooting with such that intention that I don't see it the same way people see it. Like I just see that beautiful couple in that moment doing what they do and I want to take the shot. I don't necessarily see that. Some people may see, oh, you're invading the space. You should have asked this and that. I don't even see it through that lens. For me, I see it as a beautiful image that I want to capture, that I want to make timeless in a way. Like I just want to stop that piece of time and hopefully later on someone could appreciate and see it but that's never mind if you know the whole premise of that is just capturing that image that's it that's open it's very open close interaction and so when i'm going out in the street and i'm, I'm meeting straight i'm walking up to people i'm i'm not seeing it as if i'm doing something wrong or i'm you know i'm even though sometimes you know people do stop me like i trust me i get into many fights all types of stuff in the street <laughs> But the thing is, I've always diffused it by saying that this is this is my job. You know what I mean? This is what I'm doing. This is not something that I'm trying to be. I know I might have invaded your privacy, and I, I apologize for that. That's you know that's another thing too. I feel like um, uh, photographers should know because I hear this a lot that you definitely are invading someone's privacy. That's a fact. I mean, whether you want to admit it or not, you you want you want to say it's not, it's not. You definitely are because it's invasive. It's an invasive thing that we do go out in the street and do this. But I try to make it as painless as possible, quick, decisive. You see what I mean? I don't wanna I don't wanna break that moment. You see what that guy saying now? He did by the time he realized, like you said, I'm going on my way because I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't want that interaction. I don't want him thinking anything negative. You get what I mean? Right, yeah, it was a right. thought, but it's just a thought. Right. You know he wasn't I mean? even sure. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. He asked me and I was, he didn't even know we were together. I was like, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, let me ask you a question. So, uh, one of the, one of the fears that I, that, um, so this, this podcast, once again, about nine to five killers, people who've killed their day jobs. Uh, I want to, I, I have to ask you two questions. Mm-hmm. So one, what was the last job that you had on the books and what were you doing? Um, last job I had on the books was working at NYU. Doing okay. patient transport. I was working there two days a week part time. It was a pretty good job, to be honest with you. Um, I just always had my photography on the side and knew I was pretty, you know, dedicated to doing that. So that's that's cool because you don't hear that a lot of people who work for themselves say that they like the job. So that that makes this question even better. So what from your previous job or your time or any job that you've held previously that makes you a better businessman slash artist? 
Um, I think that's a great question. Um, I don't think that question is asked enough um, because I think there's a direct correlation between having a job and being a successful entrepreneur. Um, I say that because there's a lot of tendencies that people tend to have when they work that they don't have when they're entrepreneurs, if that makes sense. Um, one of them is just being able to wake up and show up, um, you know, for yourself. You get what I mean? Um, when you have a job, you do it for everyone else. You show up for that boss. You show up. But if someone asks you to do that for yourself every day, you might have a problem with that. And which is always a weird thing because um, these are the things that if you take along, like the, the dedication, um, the commitment, um, the discipline, um, all of these things, if you take them and you transition them into yourself, that's what makes you successful at what you do. Um, you know, no one tells me to wake up and go to Prince Street every day. You know what I mean? No one, no one tells me what time to go to Prince Street. No one tells me what time to leave Prince Street. You see what I mean? And, um, you know, these are things that I have to determine for myself. And I have to be disciplined and dedicated and, and all these things that I just mentioned um, for myself to be successful. Um, I realized those, you know, I've always said this too. It's funny because I've always been the worst employee. I'm like the worst employee you could find. Um, Why do you say that? Because <laughs> I've always had like, you know, trust me, jobs. I always felt like art, you know, I never looked down on jobs. That's another thing. I don't tell right. people oh, what work because some jobs are just they're good jobs for what you do. You know what I mean? It might work. But um, I say that to say that I've never been good at just following rules just the sake of following rules. If that makes sense. <laughs> I think I know, you know what, what you mean, mean by that. Um, everything has to make sense to me. I'm a thinker. You know, if I can figure out a way to make something easier, more convenient, I think that's the way it should be done. I, don't, I mean, and, you know, that's not the way jobs work. So, they don't work that way at all. Um, you know, there's a system in place. You know, there's a template. And I mean, that's great for what that job is. But that's when... I, you know, we, we differ. So, um, I've always, like I said, I'm there at the job, but trust me, I'm not the best guy to call on for it. Okay. Uh, so, so, so what you took from the job is discipline. Um, yes. another field that I want to ask about. So when, when I think about venturing off, cause I, I've done, I've done, I've worked on my own for 10 years mm -hmm. before and, uh, looking to re-enter that realm. Mm -hmm. What now, like, I'll tell you something. I've been watching you for a couple of years and when you, you recently had a baby, how, how, how long ago, how many years ago was that that you had the baby? You didn't well, my baby, my, she's 19 months right now. 19 months. Um, and that's a beautiful process. I've, I mean, that's a journey I've always seen myself taking. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been lucky enough to be able to go through that process. And, um, you know, I've never look at, looked at having a child as um, anything else but part of what I do in my journey, like I said. So I, I don't look at it. In any other way, I just look at it as part of what I'm doing or who I'm growing into. It's pretty cool because when when that happened, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was like, "Yo, John Andre's gonna be, he ain't gonna be, he's not gonna do his his uh, his street stuff. He's gonna slow down." But but I like that you 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 kept doing you kept doing what you're doing, and uh, so most people would be like, they have a child. I'm worried about health insurance. I'm worried about getting a steady paycheck. Mm -hmm. What what made you even embrace the journey even more and be even more fearless? I see you more focused. Um, I really believe in this journey. You know what I mean? Um, this is not something I started to be, you know, to be cool, to be, you know, like hip. I mean, when I'm even thinking about, like, the way I got into this and, you know, at the time I got into photography, 
I had no photography friends whatsoever. I knew nothing about photography. There was nothing photography related around me whatsoever. And so I was at a very, you know, I got into it at a very, I don't want to say lonely, but at a very, you know, I mean, I was by myself in the craft, you know what I right. mean? And I've always been by myself in the craft, if that makes sense. Um, I've learned how to see the community now that the community is around, you know, photography. Obviously, I've got to meet, you know, some people in the community, but I don't necessarily consider myself to be a part of that community only because I'm saying that because, you know, it's always been a, a, a very focused thing for me. Like, I never really pay attention to who's doing what and how they're doing. What, you know, it's always been what's in front of me. Um, I try to pay attention to each one shot that's there for me. You see what I mean? So it's like, that's my focus, you know, and that's been my pursuit. So, uh, you know, anything outside of that has never really concerned me. Um, so I move accordingly what what I do in my career. And, and, you know, that has a lot to do with why I'm able to, you know, continue along the line now because, you know, this is this is like, you know, you're on your journey. You just continue moving ahead on it. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't see my daughter, you know, stopping. I just see her joining that journey. You know what I mean? Okay. And and one thing that people mention a lot is when it comes down to, like, since I've been growing up, mm -hmm. my parents always said, beware of the company you keep. Mm -hmm. But no one ever uh, tells you the people that are closest to you, which is your spouse or your mm -hmm. loved one. Because mm -hmm. um, I see my, my lady more than I see my mom, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's the person that I see when I wake up and mm -hmm. when I go to bed at night. Mm -hmm. So how did you find uh, a partner that, because uh, this is a very, you know, being an artist is a very unique situation uh, and not many people understand it. You know, I've, I've lost a lot of relationships, marriages, uh, one marriage, I should say, over it because, you know, it's a very difficult uh, um, walk and not everybody um, wants to deal with an artist every day. So how do you guys manage it? Um, it's... It uh, there's a story behind it. So, um, <laughs> okay. I was single, you know, I was single for a good four to five years, like, you know, just kind of around, you know, floating around, I'll say, <laughs> um, for a reason. Um, at the time I was really working a lot. I was doing a lot of, you know, like I said, I was a younger guy. I was doing a lot of industry stuff. It was very fast paced stuff. It was a different type of lifestyle. Um, I needed that time to kind of get my career together and myself together, um, I needed to dedicate that time and energy into just my craft and my, you know, what I'm doing. Um, it wasn't on purpose. I guess just, that's just the way things turned out. And, um, I was out working one night. Um, and at this time I used to, what people don't know too, is, um, when I first started doing these Polaroids, I would have two shifts. So I would go out in the daytime cause it was in the winter. I remember too, when I first went out and started doing this, it was, it was, it was just getting cold. I was around like I want to say September around there, like right after the summer. Um, so uh, I used to do two shifts. It started getting a little dark around like four or five, you know, you know, I get to the winter. So um, I would go out in the day around like four thirty five. It starts getting a little darker. Um, so I would, I would change into black and white film. So in the day I would shoot the color film. And at this time, um, both color and black and white was available. It was, you know, pretty cheap. At the time, the color was $8.99 and a black and white was like 10 or $12, right? So anyway, I would change to black and white and um, to shoot the rest of the afternoon. I would take a little break, um, you know, go eat 
and I would go back out around like 5.30 until like 8.30. You get what I mean? Like, you know, try to make some more money. At that time, I would go in front of, um, I would set up on Broadway in front of um, the sneaker store, which um, the reason why I set up in front of the sneaker store because it had a lot of light coming from the store. And so I would use, my black and white film was 3000 speed. It was very high um, ISO film. So I would be able to use that film with that light, you know, that combo. So anyway, long story, um, two young ladies approached me, um, asked one of them if they wanted a Polaroid. They said, yeah, I took the Polaroid. And her friend was like, hey, I want a Polaroid too. So I took both of them, you know, made some little money. Um, and one of the young ladies was like, hey, you need a job? And I was like, you know, <laughs> like whatever at the time, like, you know, I, and at the time I was already kind of out there already. Um, so I'm just like, oh, another person approaching me with a job situation. So I was like, ah, oh, whatever. She was like, um, it's a photography job. Here's his um, I'll take this number, whatever. I'm going to contact you. So we exchanged whatever. I don't think too much into it. Like I said at the time, I was already getting approached about opportunities, whatever. Um, maybe I want to say two weeks to a month, probably around that time, I seen a young lady again. She was like, hey, I didn't forget about you in the job, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Run into it again. So like I said, I didn't think too much into it. She called, she winds up calling me maybe a couple of days after that. Hey, um, I want to put you in contact with my boss, whatever, about the job, whatever, whatever. It's a photography job. We work on a boat. Da, da, da. So I'm like, I'm kind of like, well, if it's photography, let me see what's going on. Um, come to find out it was, um, she, the, the, the management called me. They wanted to interview, whatever. So I put on my suit, whatever. I'm ready for an interview. I'm like, well, I've never been on a photography interview job. First of all, I don't even know what I'm about to do. Um, they just said, bring your camera. I dressed up in a suit and a camera. That's how I went to the interview. I go to the interview. The interview is at a pier. It was at Pier 97, 78, Pier 78. Um, I get there. They basically tell me I get on a boat. It's like a, a, a you know a little charter a tourist type thing. It's actually, you know, the city sightseeing buses. Yeah, yeah. They have boats. I didn't know that. Yeah, they have boats on the Hudson. Okay. I get on a boat um, with these two young um, women. They're like, um, here's a camera, go upstairs and take photos of people on the boat. Um, I'm like, okay, like, you know, I go upstairs, I start asking Which people. You, was it digital? You it was one? digital. Oh, digital. Yeah, okay. it was digital. Um, I go upstairs, I start taking some photos of some people, I come back downstairs, I give them the memory card. They're like, you know, come down and after a little while, give us the memory card. I give them the memory card. They're like in shock. They're like, whoa, what's going on? You know, like, I hear them over there, like, going crazy. I'm like, I still don't know what am I doing. You know, this is supposed to be an interview. Right. I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. Right. Um, uh, I leave the boat. We get off the boat. Um, I hear them talking about, oh, yeah, we love you. Da, 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 da. They, you know, we like how you work. And I'm taking work. That was work. I'm like, that was the job. I'm like, that was the interview. Me just going upstairs, taking photos. So just to give you the premise of this job, this job entails, they work with tourists, obviously. The tourists come. They photograph them in front of a green screen before they get on the boat. So they all get photographed in front of a green screen. While they're on the boat, there's a computer system. They digitize the computer, um, the photos right there on the spot, put oh, okay. four different backgrounds, and then they sell the photos on the boat. So all this is happening in an hour and a half. And while then, well, within that process, they're also able to kind of take live photos because they pass the Statue of Liberty, Brooklyn Bridge, all these, I'm not going to lie to you, these like really close. Like right. nice scenic shots. I was like in shock to see going under the Brooklyn Bridge, like the bridge is right on top of your head. So, you know, me being a photographer, I'm like, this is why it was like candy for me. I'm like, like, like anyway. Wait, wait a second. I think I feel like we, we missed something. 
we talking about a girl. I'm gonna get into oh. that. Get into <laughs> okay. That. All right. <laughs> so um she um I'm taking these photos. Mm-hmm. They also I'm I'm giving you the premise of all okay, this. Okay, the premise. Um, got it, got it. So um that's a, that's the operation of how it works. So they're also able to take live photos on the boat and sell those as well. So that's how they sell all the photos to the people. Mm-hmm. The, one, the girl that I met, she figured I could do this job because I was already selling photos in the street. So she's like, oh, you could, if you could sell a polo in the street, you definitely could do this. This is, you know. Um, but what they didn't understand was I wasn't selling. I wasn't a sales guy. I was like, this is not my thing, you know, whatever. Um, so I was just a photographer that was able to take good images. You see what I mean? If that makes sense. So um, the green screen aspect was kind of weird for me. I was like kind of cheesy. But what I did thrive on was taking the live shots so i would have them up there in front of the statue of brooklyn bridge and they wanted those photos after you know what i mean so long story short i became a really good asset at that they wanted to hire me to, to do that and the young lady that brought me there is who wind up being <laughs> the child of my then my mother is uh, you know i'm um uh, my lady now you know what i mean um, okay i just brought that story up because of the process of how we met we met because i took a polo award to her you okay. see what I mean? That's how we now we've, we've been together almost seven years now. Okay. You know, so. And how it works is, um, as I understand, she's she's an artist as well. Yes, she's an artist as well. And um, she completely understands the way I live. Um, and right now we're just in the process of getting her, you know, under the same kind of, you know, flow. You know what I mean? And, and getting her things going. Um, but, you know, I definitely needed back to the point. I definitely needed someone that would understand my kind of lifestyle. Um, it's been great. You know, we, we do everything together. We travel as a family. We do everything together um, for that reason. And that that's the type of partnership I want. You know what I mean? Someone that I could really build with um, someone that I wanted to be with. You know what I mean? And someone I could have a child with, you know, and that could be my wife. You know, so I'm fortunate enough to be able to find that. And then uh, it's been great so far, you know. So she's, she's my partner. Oh, that's awesome. So now we have our final question. So if you can go back in time to everything that you know right now to a younger you, what advice would you give yourself in life or in business? Whatever advice you want to give. But being this is a business podcast, give me your business advice you give to yourself from like, let's say, age, uh, if you can go back to age 20. Everything you know right now. Uh, if I could give myself some better business advice, it would be um, uh, be a little bit more. Um, like I want to say, I do make. I, I I've been able to make some great uh, connections, but being able to solidify those collections, if that makes sense, um, just get better at that. How so? When you say solidify, um, you know. You meet a lot of people, um, and I'm not the most, like, you know, say I meet whoever. Um, they give me their card, like, here, give me a call. If I don't really have any real reasoning to make that contact, I really never do, and that's the problem. You see what I mean? I'm not the guy that just call and, like, shoot the shit, and you know what I mean? Like, hey, how you doing, whatever, and that's a problem um, because I always feel like if I'm not doing stuff, if I don't have something to work with you on and to present to you or to, like, you know, as a working artist, like, you know, I get to meet a lot of, you know, I've, I've worked just to bring up Spike. I, I worked with Spike a couple of times and, but, and, you know, I have these people's numbers. I have, you know, I have some good contacts, but the thing is for me, it's like, if I don't have anything legit to present to you right now or to talk to you about, I don't want to just be like, Hey, or shoot you a text. You get what I mean? And it's weird because I'm still trying to figure out how I could balance that, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And better get better at that. So 
um, yeah, I would say that would be better business uh, advice for myself. Well, it's never too late. Uh, and, and one thing that I could add to that is that, yeah, we, you know, when it comes down to meeting somebody, like I feel like they're people like us too. So they can understand, you know, maybe you don't have an idea of what you want to do, work with them for, but like, you know, just calling like, you know, if they got a birthday, oh, happy birthday, something like that, that's light. It's just like, yo, I was thinking of you, you had a you know, happy birthday. It's real simple. And it, it, it opens, uh, they may not even respond, but it opens a line of communication. You'd be surprised how many people I've said something to, and then it's, um, it's uh it's developed into something else um whether and then sometimes it'll even be like i could even say hey by the way there's this class going on whatever i thought this might be good for you to know about and they go and do it and then we have a um it may not be a business thing but they know that i'm looking at them like they're a person like you and me you know they got something like i got a guy that i that i, I gave some advice to about um about going to a public speaking class because i'm taking one and he was like, oh, I appreciate that. I actually, and he actually showed up to one of my classes and actually, you know, took, you know, was engaging in the, in the class. So I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. And he was somebody of, you know, one of, one of those celebs, you know, and I thought that that was interesting because you wouldn't think that, but they have the same things that we're going through. Like he's starting the podcast too. I've started mine and, and what's helped me is my public speaking class. So sharing that information and I had his information on business and he, he followed up with me. So you just never know what, what you might be going through that somebody might uh, find interesting. Yeah. So, um, before we go, I want to, I want to thank you for coming out, but I want you to, um, I want you to plug anything you got going on that we should know about. Um, how can they find you on social media, your website, please plug yourself. Uh, so you can find me on Prince street between bro and Crosby. I'm there pretty much every day. Uh, my Instagram is at JAA photos. If you want to check out some of my work, I have a website. My name is Jean Andre Antoine.com. Um, and that's pretty much it. I, I, you know, right now, I'm, like I said, I'm in the transition of, uh, you know, showing more of my work. If you, so if you're interested in that, you know, you know, hit me up. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm looking for some gallery space. So you know anyone. Um, <laughs> I think I might, I think I might actually uh, know some guys that got a gallery space actually. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll put you in touch. And it's, it's been a real interesting uh, conversation having here, having you here with me. And um, I appreciate you taking the time out because I know that you know you you like you one of those photographers that I think you know you actually love this thing. And so it's been good to soak up some of your energy being here. So thank you and um, thanks for joining on Five the Podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. The 9 to 5 Killers podcast is now available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, Apple Podcast and Stitcher.